0: Let us pray. Okay. Father God, we thank you for yet another day. Thank you, Lord. Another opportunity to gather with your presence, Lord, in reading this book to help us in our pilgrimage here on earth. Father Lord, we ask that you give us better insights than we've had before. Amen. Concerning the chapters we are to read. Amen. Let your Holy Spirit minister the meaning to us and please continue to guide us even through all the activities that we partake in. Amen. So that we can always be several steps ahead of the enemy.
1: Amen. And never
0: fall into his trap. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Father, bless this time for us. Let it be a worship unto you. Amen. Let it not be a time wasted. Amen. But a time gain, Amen. In eternity for eternity's sake. Amen. In
1: Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you for that prayer and glory to God because we That's believe he has answered. It. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, let's read together our opponent memory verse for this study from Hebrews eleven thirteen. If you're at gospelbiz.com, please scroll to page 2, Hebrews eleven thirteen. Can we all please uh, read together? These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Hmm. And of course, that's our permanent memory verse for this study, uh, which is a study into the book, Christiana's Journey, Christiana herself being the newest pilgrim, or the latest pilgrim in the series that we have been studying, the Pilgrim's Progress Series. And our husband, Christian, was the was the pilgrim in the first installment of this series. And in this second installment, we are following the journey of Christiana, <laughs> Christiana's boys, and Mercy, Mercy, the lady who chose to follow them, who chose to follow them uh, from last week. Now... Mm. From yesterday, we started reading uh, this chapter, chapter 6, uh, yesterday, which is titled The Journey to the House of the Interpreter. And yesterday, we read of Christiana warning our boys, our boys who saw some fruits while they were on their way. After leaving the, the wicked gate, the narrow gate, uh, they saw a tree, they, they saw fruits on trees Whose uh, branches extend from the house of the man who owned the dog that was barking, that was barking at them? The dog that tried to dissuade them, to discourage them from going into uh, in, in, through the wicked gate. The boys saw the fruits. The fruits looked lovely. They plugged some of the fruits and they ate them. And their mom, Christina, warned them, saying, my sons, you transgress. But we were told by the author that even Christiana did not know uh, that the fruits belonged to the owner of that house. She just thought that they ought not to have ate the fruit because it did not belong to them. So she did not fully understand uh, the nature of what they did. And I think we ourselves will soon be let into the full nature of what they did uh, very soon. And soon after that, Christiana and Mercy were attacked by two ugly ones. They were just described as the ugly ones who attempted to overpower them uh, and to have uh, unlawful and non-consensual uh, sexual liaison with them. And they resisted the ugly ones because they knew that uh, it was not just that, uh, that they were going to be derailed from their journey. They resisted first uh, by not giving in to the moral situation by the ugly ones. And then when the ugly ones proved uh, more physical, uh, they cried out. They cried out so much so that their voices were heard at the house of the Lord of the Wicked Gate. So he sent a reliever to them and we learned a lesson there that it is important for us to cry out in prayer uh, to cry out in prayer against everything whether it is temptation whether it is a demonic attack uh, whether it is trial anything that has the potential to derail us uh, from the from the narrow, from the narrow way we should cry out and when we cry out help will come uh, and then more than that we should also be praying specifically for God to help us to send a conductor to 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 follow us on our journey the reliever when the reliever appeared to them yesterday he mentioned that look you did not ask for any help when you were leaving the house and one of them made that interesting observation asked whether it was necessary to ask for help when the lord of the narrow gates already knew that they would need help, if the Lord knew that we would need assistance and companion on the way, why do we need to ask? And that's the age old question, the Christian asking, why do I need to ask if, already, if the Lord already knows uh, that we'll be in need of this thing? And the answer from the reliever was that where the things we ask for, uh, they tend to have more value. And when we don't ask for things, And then it becomes clear that we need those things. Then the lesson is learned. The lesson is learned that we do really need to ask. And we all agree this day that it's an important prayer to always pray. Say, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Lord, help me through this day. I mean, asking for help uh, is a sign of dependence on God. And we should never fail to ask. And so eventually they arrived at the house of the interpreter. When they arrived there, it was an interesting uh, type of meeting because when they got there, uh, they discovered that, they were already talking about them in the house. So Christiana and Mercy, they put their ears to the door and they had discussion going on inside the house of the interpreter. They were actually talking about them, about Christiana. They were marveling and celebrating that Christiana uh, decided to become a pilgrim. And we also learned from that yesterday that uh, the way Christiana was welcomed at the house of the interpreter, both Christiana and Mercy and her boys, uh, there is a line from yesterday where we read that oh, one of the people in the house Smiled and the other smiled and another smiled, and all of them just kept smiling. They were just so really happy that Christiana had chosen to become a pilgrim. And that, that was a lesson for us as well. That well, we should be people who are truly delighted, who are truly delighted that people are coming to Christ. When anybody is added to our number, we should be truly delighted and be warm. In welcoming them and of course as you know in death of the interpreter parables are told profitable things are shared the first one that was here yesterday was the uh, parable of the man with the mock rake this man was holding a rake you know what a rake is in the garden but this was a rake for gathering straws, sticks, and dirt, as we know what rakes are for. But this man was always looking down at the at the straws, the sticks, the the dirt to be gathered. But there was a man right, uh, right, uh, I on top of him, offering him a crown, a celestial crown. This man could not even look up. He was preoccupied with gathering sticks and straws and debt with the ring. He was preoccupied. And anybody looking at him would have said, ah, look at this man, you are preoccupied with gathering debt, Whereas somebody is offering you, just look up, just look up, just look up. And you're going to see somebody offering you the celestial crown. Why are you just preoccupied with gathering sticks and straws and and death but alas uh, that is the picture of many of us and of many people in the world who are just preoccupied with the mundane things of this world they are just preoccupied with the mundane things of this world so much so that they they can't have time to even focus on on celestial things and we were reminded of Colossians 3 to set your affections on things above, not on things below. Although we are in this world, we, uh, we must continue to engage with the world. We have to work. We have to make ends meet. We have to do the work that God has appointed for us in this life. But our real affections, our real affections should be on things, on things above. Okay, let's, we are now going to go to the other parables told in the house of the interpreter. We have a uh, reading for us tonight. Our dear sister Tutu, we're happy to have you uh, read for us tonight. So if you are ready, please scroll to page... Let's see where we are now. For those at go to so we are at page... I'll get there now. Page... Page 9. Page 9. So we are at page 9 now. The spider on the wall... Let me admit, uh, Lalu. Okay, so Laos, we're happy to have you join us tonight. God bless you. We are just about to begin reading from page nine. ...of our text tonight, the spider on the world. So we are going into the second parable told in the house of the interpreter. The pilgrims have arrived in the house of the interpreter now. And the interpreter from the first study we have identified as the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. And now he's trying to teach the pilgrims a number of things about the Christian journey just to prepare them for the journey ahead. Yesterday he taught them about the man and the muckrake, now the spider on the wall. And I want us all to just pay attention very carefully. They are simple parables, but sometimes, uh, I mean, at all times, we need the Holy Spirit to interpret them to us and for us to uh, interpret them in alignment with the Bible. Okay, the spider on the wall. to go ahead. All right, good evening, Good evening, thank you. The
2: spider on the wall. When the interpreter had shown them this, he led them into the very best room in the house, and the very large room it was. So he bid them look around, look around about, and see if they could find anything profitable there. Then they looked round and round, for there was nothing to be seen, except a very large spider on the wall. But that they overlooked. Message. I see nothing. But Christiana held her peace. Interpreter. Ah, look again. Christiana therefore looked again. Christiana. Here is nothing but an ugly spider hanging by its hands on the wall. Interpreter. Is there only one spider in all the special things? Then the water should In Christiana's eyes, for she was a woman quick of understanding. Christiana. Yes, Lord, there is more than one here. Yes. Spider's whose venom is far more destructive than that which is in this spider. The interpreter then looked pleasantly at her and said, You have told the truth. This made Mercy blush. And the boys covered their faces, for they all began now to understand the reading. The interpreter The spider takes hold with her hand as she seeks, and is in King's palaces. Proverbs 3028. Therefore, this is recorded to show you that, however full of the venom of sin you may be, yet you may, by the hand of faith, lay hold of and dwell in the best room that belongs to the king's house above. Christiana, I thought it was something like that, but I could not imagine it at all. I thought that we were like spiders and that we looked like ugly creatures in whatever fine room we were. But that, but that by this spider, that venomous and ill favored creature. We learn how to act in faith. That did not come into my thoughts. And yet, the spider has taken hold of her hand. And, as I see, dwells in the best room in the house. God has made nothing in vain. Then they all seemed to be glad. But the water still stood in their eyes. Yet they looked at one another. And also bow before the
1: interpreter. Okay, thank you very much, too. Hmm. Did we all follow this? And did we really get the uh, the message in this uh, in this parable told? This is the uh, second parable told by the interpreter here, where he took the pilgrims into a large room. They got into the large room. The interpreter said, "What can you find on? The, what do you see here?" And they looked around. yeah, This is a large room. There is nothing here. I said, look again. Christina said, yes, there is nothing here but an ugly spider hanging by its hands on the wall. And she was right. And the interpreter asked again, well, is there only one spider in all this spacious room? Now, uh, let me ask, when Christina said, "Hmm," when when it it became apparent to Christina that "Hmm," there wasn't only just one spider, indeed, there was one physical spider there. But the interpreter said, look at it again, is there only one spider in all this spacious room? When Christina said, yes, Lord, there is more than one hair. And at that point, water stood in her eyes, meaning that she was moved to tears. She said, there is, one, there is more than one spider here. Spiders whose venom is far more destructive than that which is in this spider. Meaning, meaning to say that, yes, there is a physical spider, there is a real spider here, but there are more spiders, figuratively speaking, in this room, and these other spiders, the venom in them, is far more destructive than the venom in the actual spider, the physical spider on the wall. What do you think she was referring to there? Or who are the other spiders that she was referring to? Let's just carefully think through it. Uh, the, The Lord will make it clear to us. And of course you'd think through the other thing said there, with the interpreter saying, well, that's the lesson you find, I mean, it's a king's it's a king's room, a king's hall, it's a spacious room belonging to a king. And you wonder, in, in, in a king's palace, would you expect to find a spider on the wall? Would you not expect that room to be so well kept, uh, so well kept that, uh, I mean, you do not expect to find insects like that? Spiders are not things you want to see in well-kept rooms. You don't expect to find spiders in well-kept rooms. Well, well-kept rooms are always cleaned every day, uh, dusted, uh, some often fumigated and perfumed. And well-kept rooms, the rooms of kings, are not places where you want to, you expect to find insects. So now, the, in the first place, there was one on the wall, hanging there, and well, the. Interpreter led Christina to also realize that there was in fact more than one in that room. There were others in that room. uh, Others whose venom was even more destructive, more destructive than the venom in the spider on the wall. Okay, Uh, who wants to attempt a decoding of these of these of this parable? Although the book has decoded it a bit. The spider on the wall. Who are the other spiders that Christina re- referred to? And why did she become uh, teary-eyed? Why did she have tears in her eyes when she made that discovery? When she came to that realization that there were indeed other spiders in that room. Spiders whose venom was even more, more destructive than the venom in that physical spider. Any attempt, there, uh, Please feel free. If you are at to uh do not hesitate to uh, to send us a WhatsApp message and and share your thoughts on this. Okay, we expect more reactions on WhatsApp. Well, the reason why Christina teared up here was the realization that in that room, in that room. In the king's room, there, that king's palace, there were other spiders other than the physical one. Those other spiders would be Christina herself and her boys, and Mercy, they were the other spiders, and that's why she became teary eyed. And what's the, I mean, why were they the spiders? Because uh, these were people that were not sinless, they were not without sin, they were not without sin. And you ask yourself, What are they doing? They must be asking themselves how can it be? Remember that him? how can it be that I should gain an interest in myself? Amazing, amazing, amazing love. How can it be that my Lord should have? How can it be that I find myself in the presence of a king? This me, remember, this me, so unworthy, this me, definitely, even if, if not sinful, but definitely not sinless. And many of us will say that uh, about ourselves, right? Uh, if you want to be sincere, that I mean, some people will argue, okay, we are not sinful because Christ has, has died for us, but definitely we are not sinless. We are not sinless, as the Bible clearly teaches, that if we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and there is no truth, no righteousness in us. We are not sinless, and it should always amaze us. It should move us to tears, as it, as it did move Christiana and the other pilgrims to tears here, that we are admitted into the presence of God. We can stand in the palace of God. We can stand in His presence Notwithstanding that, we are not sinless. Remember what happened to, to Isaiah when Isaiah stood before, when he had that vision, uh, the vision of the glory of God in his great palace. He said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of, of, of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of, of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And that must not ever be taken away from us anytime. We come into the presence of God. You say, wow. But the point that the interpreter tried to make here is that people like us, people like me and like you, we cannot in any way claim to be perfect before God. We can, by faith, like that spider, by faith have a place, even in the best rooms, in the palaces of the king. Even in the best room, we can have a place. We can have a place of standing. And if you want to know that place of standing, it's in Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And of course, you have to understand what went on before verse 16 of Hebrews 4. It says, for we do not have a high priest. We are unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. So if we are that high priest, by faith, let us take hold and go into his presence. I mean, long and short is that how blessed we are, that though not sinless, we are ones for whom Christ has died, and so by faith we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And that is what uh, led Christiana and other pilgrims to become teary-eyed. It's just amazement. It's just uh, to be amazed at the finished work of Christ. To see how, like a spider, like a spider, they also have a place in the palace of the king. This is not to say uh, that we are encouraged to remain in sin, but it is to say that we must never be held back by the guilt of sin from entering into the palace of the king. We can come into the holiest place. By faith, with confidence, and there there we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is a lesson for us, uh, and you find that this is a lesson that was taught over and over in Pilgrim Progress Part 1, now being taught again that the Christian must not be held back by the guilt of sin. The Christian must not dwell in sin, but must not be held back by the guilt of sin because the work has been done, the, uh, the sacrifice for sin has been paid and paid in full by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that even us, though not sinless, we can find uh, a place in the palace of the king. Uh, any reaction to this? Any reaction to this? That we can find a place in the palace of the king. Hmm. And you find it uh, in, the, in, the, in the text. So Yet the spider has taken hold with her hands. And as I say, dwells in the best room in the house. The person who by faith we lay hold of God's forgiveness, we lay hold of God's mercy, we dwell in the best place in the world. And that's the person who always, and that's why that's why all the saints, you know, the song they're always singing, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb that was saying worthy, because he's the only one who, who can make it possible for the sinful man to become admitted into the presence of God. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. And I think that's the lesson of the spider on the wall. So the next time that the guilt of sin tends to hold you back uh, from going to God, remember that you have a place in the palace of the king as long as you are coming in the name of Jesus, as long as you are coming admitting your sin, Confessing them, repenting of them, you can lay hold by faith on the finished work of Christ. The work is finished; it is done; it is done. If a spider can find, uh, can, can find a space in that palace, you, for whom Christ has died, you can always, always uh, find a place to sit at the table of the King. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, please keep it coming on WhatsApp. Uh, other contributions, and we read them out as we go, as we go along. Okay, let's go on to the next parable here, the hen and the chickens. Let's read about the hen and the chickens, and let's pray for, uh, for, for, for good understanding here as well. Okay, Tutu, if you're you ready, the hen and the chickens. We're on page 10 now, page 10. If you're at pay page 10. Okay, let's go on. The
2: hen and the chickens. We then took them into another room where there were a hen and chickens. And bid them observe a while. So one of the chickens went to went to the trough to drink, and every time she drank, she lifted up her head and her eyes towards heaven. Mister her: see what this little chick is doing, and learn from her to acknowledge where your message comes from. And receiving them by looking up. Yes again observe in look. So they looked carefully and saw that the hand behaved in a fourfold way towards the chickens. One, he had a common call, and that he made and that he made all day long. Two, he had a special call, and that he used only sometimes. Three, she had a brooding note, Matthew 23, 37. And four, she had an outcry Mister. Peter, Now, compare this pen with your king and this teaching with his obedient wounds. For answerable to her, he himself has his own method which he employs towards his people. By common call, he gives nothing. By special call, he always has something to give. He also has a brooding voice for those that are under her wings. And he has an outcry to sound the alarm when he sees the enemy approaching. I chose, my darling, to lead you into the room where such things are, because you are winning and they are easy for you christiana and sir please let us hear more
1: okay thank you so this is the parable of the end and the takings uh what can you make out of this what lesson do you think the uh, interpreter was trying to pass across to to the ladies and the boys there uh we have uh and uh, we have the interpreter himself uh Explaining that parable, but let's look at it more more closely. The interpreter said to the pilgrims, "Look uh, at one of the chickens. I mean, o- observe these chickens, and especially one of them. See, as one of them went to the trout to drink, and every time she drank, she lifted up her head and her eyes towards heaven. Towards heaven. Okay, let me pause a bit to read this. Uh, uh, this." On, on WhatsApp, thank you Grandma S for, for pointing this out, she said on WhatsApp, the undeserved welcome of the prodigal son by loving, forgiving God comes to mind, such amazing grace and, and yes, very uh, this is very apt, thank you very much for pointing this out, when we think of that spider, that spider in the king's palace, you remind us again of the undeserved welcome, undeserved welcome a palace should have no place, should have nothing to do on the world. I mean let's be clear that palace did not get into that king's room by mistake it was not that nobody observed it it, it is beyond a, beyond uh belief that a spider will find its way into such a prestigious room i mean imagine how much effort must have gone into keeping the room tidy at all times. So it was not by error uh, that the spider uh, got there. It was not that the spider was smart enough. If the spider was allowed. They must have seen this, but they allowed it to be there the same way that we are allowed into God's presence. Not because we are sinless. But because we have laid hold on the forgiving grace of God by faith, by faith in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Ma. This is a very uh, apt uh, apt example of that of that on the sad welcome. Uh, that that prodigal son had no 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 business being in that father's household any longer, but he was welcomed there. Thank you very much, Ma. Okay, let's go back to this end uh, and the chickens. What, what, I mean, what's the point here? Uh, the point is that one of the chickens has that. Chicken went to the trout to drink, Uh, every time she drank, she would lift up her head and her eyes toward heaven. Uh, What's the point trying to make here? The interpreter said, well, this is to tell us that we should learn from that chicken to acknowledge where our mercies come from and receiving them by looking up yet again, observe and look. So is it just saying to be thankful for our mercies? Yes, it's saying that, but it seems to be saying much more than that. It says, you look at this, I mean, you... You, you drink from the trough, and every time after drinking, you lift up your head towards heaven. You acknowledge like the source of your mercies. That is one. And okay, it is from here. So that's being thankful. But the interpreter said that it's, we should look even, uh, cl- even more closely at this. That we find that the hen, I mean, you're talking about the chicken always talking about, but the hen behaved in a fourfold way towards our chickens. The hen had a common call. And what's the common call of the hen? If anybody can, as I guess, uh, uh, from what we know uh, about the ways of hens, what's the common call? That would be that uh, cry, that crowing of the hen, right? The, she had a common call that she made all day long, all day long. She had a special call that she used only sometimes. Three, so she had a brooding note. And four, she had an outcry. And I think this is calling our attention to understand the way the Lord works the way the Lord speaks to his people, the way the Lord deals with his people. Those who are pilgrims must be people who understand the ways of the Lord. You have to understand the ways of the Lord, and there's no way to understand the ways of the Lord than to uh, to have fellowship with him. Have fellowship with him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through his word, through his word, you are reading his word, you are communing with him in prayer, and you are depending on the Holy Spirit to do all these things. You want to know more about him in his word, know about him in the time of prayer, and you can you can only do these two things by relying on the power of the of the Holy Spirit who has been given to us to teach us in all things, to lead us in all things, and to testify of the Savior to us. Because if we do not know about our Lord, we do not know when He is giving a common call, when He is talking to everyone. And a common call is the call that goes to everyone. Everyone, it says by His common call, He gives nothing. It is, and, and the common call would be those things that the Apostle Paul described in Romans 1 as the things revealed to us by nature. By nature, uh, the Apostle said nobody will be excused from uh, knowing about the existence of God because nature speaks loudly about God. So anybody who says, Well, uh, I was not told that, that is God, would have no answer on the day of judgment because the Lord will say, Look, look at nature. Did you not see the sun? Did you not occur to you that somebody created the sun? That somebody made all these things. So there's a common call, what we call, what in theology is called common grace, the the theology of common grace, the common grace from God to everybody. He he, he pours his rain on both the just and the unjust. There is common call, there is common grace. He gives nothing special uh, by those things, these are things that are common to all humanity, to all nature. We have to understand his ways. We also have to understand his ways by a special call. Somebody calls us specially, I have called you by name, I've called you by name. And he said to Jeremiah, Even before you were born, while you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, I knew you by a special call. He always has something to give. And anyone who has been invited by the Holy Spirit to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, has received that special call, and he has something to give, and that is eternal life. He also has a brooding voice for those who are under his wing. A brooding voice, that's to to take care of those who are under his wing. He has a way he calls his people. He calls his people to, he takes care of them, and and, and his people must know his voice. They must know his voice when he's calling them that way. And he has an outcry. He, He has a way he sounds an alarm, when he sees an enemy approaching. I think the lesson here is that every pilgrim must understand the way God speaks. And how can we understand the way God speaks? How can a pilgrim understand the way God speaks? By that pilgrim, fellowshipping with God and paying attention, paying attention, like that chicken always always looking up, always looking up. Don't just keep drinking. Don't just keep enjoying the common grace in this world. Don't just keep there, but always remember that, oh, the source of all things is the Lord God Almighty. And lifting the head up is not only to say thank you, but also to, to listen, to listen. So when we pray, we also want to listen. We say, Lord, thank you for your blessings. You also want to listen to God. What are you trying to tell me about this? What do you want me to know? What are the things you want me to know? and i do pray that god will help us really to understand our lord more i do not think anybody in this uh, in this on this side of eternity can ever claim to have fully understood the ways of God, I don't know if anybody can. I can never claim to have fully uh, known the the ways of God, but we keep learning every day. We keep learning every day. I do not consider myself to have to have arrived. I uh, wrote the apostles, but I strive on. I strive on. I keep on. I keep on. And that's the way it has to be for us, for all of us as well. We just keep on, keeping on, keep on, keeping on, uh, see, seeking for that higher ground. Uh, I want to rise above the world that that hymn writer wrote that is a higher place that is a higher ground and the the pilgrim is praying just to know more that i may know him and know more and more of him i mean at the end of every of our of our meetings i've been singing that song more about jesus more about and that's what this is all about to, to know more and more about this, I do pray that all of us will come to know more of Him. The Know of Him when He's when He's uh, more of His common call, more of His special call, more of uh, identifying His brooding notes when He's brooding over us, more of identifying His outcries when He's sounding an alarm. And I think that part of sounding an alarm is something that we should pay attention to. Do you know when God is warning you about something? Uh, what are the ways to know uh, that God is warning you about something? And if anyone wants to share anything, I mean, this is a right time to share. If uh, if you have developed, or if between you and God, but I do believe that the way it was. Sometimes, when you have that close relationship with God, you come to an understanding of how the Lord speaks to you, how He warns you about things, because uh, because of the uh, closeness you have had with Him, because of the course of relationship over time, you have come to understand that mm, when I see this sign, when I hear this voice. I know God is warning me about something. Uh, it usually takes a, a while for a Christian to fully understand that because uh, you make errors from time to time. Sometimes you you disregard the voice or you don't pay attention, but then it comes to bite you. And then over time, you come to understand that hmm, when God says when he, when God shows this to me in a dream, or when I see this sign, over this thing happened, I've come to understand. I've come to to learn that God is trying to. To warn me. This is this variable is saying that every pilgrim should understand these things. We should understand this. And I do pray that when God is warning us, we will hear that we will know the Holy Spirit will help us to understand how God uh, speaks to each of us. He speaks to us through his word, through his Holy Spirit, but uh, each pilgrim's relationship with God is a unique one. It's a unique one, and you need to understand how God speaks. To you, may God give us grace to understand that, Amen, 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 Amen. Okay, if you have further contributions on this, or questions, or more insights, do feel free to share or call us back. Good, good, good. Okay, let's go to the butcher and the sheep. We are still on page ten. The last two lines are on page ten here, yeah? and then we go to page eleven. This is a very short, uh, a very short parable: eh? the butcher and the sheep.
2: Okay. the butcher and the sheep. So he led them into the slaughterhouse where there was a butcher killing a sheep. And behold, the sheep was quiet and went to its death patiently. The then you must learn from this sheep to suffer and put up with wrongs without murmuring and complaining. Mm. Behold, how quietly she goes to her death. And without objection, she allows her skin to be pulled over her her ears. Your king calls you his sheep.
1: Thank you very much. Your king calls you his sheep. And of course, you know that from... From Psalm uh, 100, verse, verse 3, For he is, for he is God, it is, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. I've always said that, I mean, you have to find uh, the two seemingly irreconcilable things there. In that portion of the Psalms, we are his people on the one hand. Again, it says we are the sheep of his pasture. And of course, you know that if you were the shepherd keeping your flock, keeping your sheep, I mean, you don't ask a ship's permission before dealing with that ship in any particular manner. If you want to skin that ship, you go ahead and skin that ship. If you don't want that ship to, to eat that day, well, you keep that ship away from eating. If you want that ship, if you want to uh, to isolate that ship, you isolate the ship. If you want that ship not to... Go out to pasture with the others that day. You keep that sheep away from going out to pasture with the others that day. If you want to, uh, if you want a veterinary doctor to attend to a particular sheep, you have the power. You have the right to do so. You don't need the sheep's permission to say, "Oh, this is what I wanted to do today." Are you agreeing to it? Uh, what do you want us? Do you do you want to stay back? Uh, do you want to go out with the others? And of course, if the king wants to kill one of the sheep, he would do that uh, without asking for that sheep's permission. Uh, Someone 100 tells us we are his people. So as his people, you expect that we will be dealt with in a kinder way right? We'll be dealt with in a more loving way. Yes, and all those expressions are valid and we thank God for making us his people. Not, and, and now we're not just his people, we are also, we are also his sons that he has adopted uh, and he has given all the privileges that he has given to his only begotten son. But at the same time we are his sheep, we are the sheep of his pasture. And here the interpreter is saying well, look at the butcher killing a sheep and behold this sheep, quiet, Going to his death patiently. Of course, this imagery must remind us of the imagery used by the prophet Isaiah, describing our Lord, right? Our Lord, who uh, as a sheep went to the shepherds without murmuring, uh, without murmuring. I say we must learn from this sheep. To suffer. I mean, this is a, this is one teaching that uh, many people are not comfortable with in in Christian Many uh, schools of thought in theology tend to to reject uh, teachings like this. Some of the view that Christ has suffered all that needs to be suffered in this world, and that no child of is must see himself as called to bear any suffering or to bear any discomfort or to bear any shame or to bear any moment or period of poverty or need because Christ has suffered it all. But I I think we all know, we all go together there, we know so well that Christ died for our sins, right? He died for our sins. He died for our sins. That's what he came to do. Uh, salvation to bring us to to reconcile us with God, not to make all things right in this world in the sense of uh, no more pain, uh, no more need, no more want, no more sickness. That's not what Christ has come to do. He has come to reconcile us with the Father and at the end of life to take us to the place where there will be no more death, no more crying, no more poverty, no more need, and uh, no more... For this, learn from this sheep to suffer. Uh, do we all agree with this teaching? And to put up with wrongs without murmuring or complaining. This is, uh, I mean, th- there are important things to learn here. Yeah. So we should learn from this sheep to suffer without complaining. We should learn of this sheep to put up with wrongs without murmuring or complaining. I mean, this aspect where people tend to look at Christians as docile, as even on wise people. Sometimes even as stupid, I mean, people have said that if only Christians were in the world, if only Christians had their way in the world, uh, no, no wrong would be would be resisted. No wrong would be resisted. That many of those who attempted to conquer other countries, maybe like Hitler in the in the nineteen forties, nineteen thirties, and nineteen forties, that it would not be resisted. uh, That that the pure Christian theology would say, don't resist any evil because. God is always in charge, and many people cannot bring themselves to reconcile with that and say, look, put up with wrongs without murmuring and without complaint," But of course, this is not talking about uh, wrongs where we need to speak out against injustice. In, indeed, the Bible calls us to call out the works of darkness, not to identify with them. But it says that in, in the vagaries of life, that is the vagaries of life, to go without murmuring or complain, in the vagaries of life, through all the changing scenes of life. you Remember that song, through all the changing scenes of life, in distress and in want, the praise of my Lord and King shall still my heart. Uh, I forgot just the right words, I'm going to seek out that hymn, but you know that hymn, through all the changing scenes of life, meaning that whatever is taking place, You are not going to murmur or complain. You are going just to acknowledge the Lordship of your Lord. You are just going to acknowledge that, well, I'm the sheep. He is the shepherd. Through all the changes of life, in trouble and in joy, the praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. And that's the exact way the sheep behaves. The sheep is not saying, I'm not going to receive this wrong. It's not saying, uh, I'm not going to do what I have to do under uh, the legal system or under the laws approved by God. But I'm not going to murmur. I'm not going to complain. He leadeth me. Remember that, him again. Remember that, him as well. He leadeth me, oh, blessed thought. And I think that's just the right thing to illustrate this parable, the parable of the butcher and... And the sheep, if you go over that hymn again, it says, It leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, wherever I be, still it is God's hand that leadeth me. That's the lesson here. That just like the sheep, we just submit to the uh, to to the shepherd. I, I I would have preferred for John Bunyan to say the shepherd and the sheep, but now he says the butcher and the sheep, and, and that's so telling. That's so so chilling, rather. That's so chilling because the butcher is the person who kills, right? But Hey, that's the truth. That's the truth. If he chooses to take me or to take you, if he chooses to, uh, to isolate me or isolate you for a while, if he chooses to deal with me or with you in a manner that we would not ordinarily want, hey, is the shepherd. Well, we can have assurance that he does all things well, right? He does all things well. It will never cause his children to shed needless tears. Uh, Circumstance, sometimes meet scenes of deepest gloom. Sometimes where Eden's flowers bloom, hmm. sometimes in deepest gloom, sometimes in the in the uh, in the in the blooming, in a blooming garden, sometimes by waters calm, sometimes over troubled sea. Still it is God's hand that leadeth me. And then he says in, in the third the Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine, nor ever murmur nor repine, content whatever lot I see. Since it is God's hand that leadeth me. So, this is a lesson that the interpreter is trying to teach the pilgrims, saying to them, Well, as you said that on your pilgrimage, he has said, Number one, I said that on your pilgrimage, don't be like the man with the muckrake, the man who is just preoccupied with gathering sticks and straws and dead. Don't be like that man. Yes, you have to work, you have to do your work in this world because you're in this world, but be as the man who has his affections set on things above. Don't just be gathering debts and rakes and forget that there are more important things. Don't forget that there is a crown awaiting you. Walk for that crown. Do not walk, uh, for, the uh, walk for the mark. Don't work for the mark. Don't work for the debts in this world. And then he told them again, as you said that on your pilgrimage, be like the spider on the wall in the king's palace. How did the spider find its way to the king's palace? By faith. And he said to us, even us who are not sinless, even us who are not sinless, we can by faith have a place at the table of the king. Hebrews four sixteen. we can by confidence come near, draw near the throne of grace and find grace in, in, our, in our time of hell. We can by faith draw near. And that's the lesson from the spider on the wall. He also said to them about the end and the chickens. They look at the chickens. Uh, they, uh, they drink water and they look up. Don't ever forget your source. Don't ever forget your source when blessings come to you. Uh, look also at the hen. Look at the way the hen deals with the chickens. The hen has, the hen has a general call. It has a special call. It has a brooding call. It has uh, he rather has a general call, a special call, a brooding call, and then a warning call. And the chickens must learn to understand uh, each call to understand each call to differentiate each call and to understand it, and that's the lesson for us as well. Each of us must learn to understand how the Lord speaks. How the Lord speaks, and nobody can understand how the Lord speaks unless that person intentionally creates a, a fellowship with Him, deliberately seeks fellowship with Him through His Word, through prayer, and all this by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we just look at the butcher and. And we are reminded that we should just submit ourselves to the governance of God. Submit ourselves to the loving kindness of God. Just say to him, do with me as you would. Do with me as you would. Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine, nor ever murmur nor repine. Content whatever lot I see, since it is my God that leadeth me. I know this is easier said than done. Anybody who is passing through tough times right now would say, hmm, Easier said than done. But do we not always find that even in tough times, it provides a way out for us, no matter how tough the situation. Uh, each of us must have learned, if you have been a pilgrim for for a considerable time, you must have learned that God never leaves you alone. Never leaves you alone. You find that you find yourself in some troubles that you think will consume you, in some circumstances that you think ha, will lead to the end. And you find that the Lord just provides a way of escape every time, every time, every time. May God give us grace not to murmur, not to repine, to be content whatever lot we say, to never forget that it is God that leads us, and to always have the assurance that His thoughts towards us, they are kindly thoughts, they are good thoughts, they are good thoughts, and the Lord is good, for the Lord, He is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures forever. Anytime you have you want to make a contribution, please feel free to unmute or send a text to us on, on WhatsApp from gospelbestread.com. Okay, let's go to the next. To the next parable, here, the garden of flowers and the failed crop. We are on page 11, Garden of flowers and the failed crop. Garden of flowers and the
2: failed crop. After this. He led them into his garden where there was great variety of flowers. Do you see all this, Christiana? Yes. Interpreter, behold, the flowers differ in height, in quality, in color, in smell, and in beauty, and some are better than others. Also, where the gardener has planted them, there they stand and never quarrel with. Another. Again, he brought them into his field, which he had sown with wheat and corn. But when they looked, the tops of them all were cut off, and only the straw remained. The interpreter. This ground was stung and plowed and sowed. But what shall we do with this crop? Christiana. Burn some and make mark of the rest. Interpreter. Fruit, you see, is that thing. Is that thing you look for, and for lack of it you condemn it to the fire, to be trodden underfoot by men. Beware that in this you are not condemning yourself.
1: Beware that in this you are not condemning yourselves. Uh, Who wants to attempt to interpret uh, these? Uh, I think there are two parables in one here. Uh, That is the parable of the garden of flowers. Who wants to attempt to interpret that? Where it says, Behold, the flowers, they differ in height, in quality, in color, in smell, and beauty. And some are better than others. Also, where the garden has planted them, there they stand. And never quarrel with each other. What is the interpreter trying to tell us here? In the garden, in this garden of flowers. Because there are two parables here. There's the garden of flowers, then there's the, there's the parable about the field, about the field. Interesting, uh, I mean, just bear in mind that what the interpreter is doing here is preparing the hearts of new pilgrims, saying to them, As you begin your pilgrimage, meaning as you begin your journey with God in this world, doesn't in this world, as you go on in your journey in this world, remember this, remember that, call this to mind, call this to mind. Now, he's saying to them, What is he trying to tell them here in the garden of flowers? What is he trying to tell them to call to mind? In the in the garden of in the garden of flowers, eh?
2: I think that um, maybe it's trying to call attention to is the fact that um, we are all created differently mm-hmm. and for different purposes. Mm. So there is no need for. Want to be envious of the other, so that um, we all should, you know, appreciate the purpose for which the Lord has created us.
1: Exactly. That's why I think. No, no, and you're absolutely right. This is this is uh, a reminder uh, from the Interpreter and the Holy, who represent, who symbolizes the Holy Spirit here to the pilgrim, saying that well, now you have become a part of the body of Christ. And you remember that lesson from 1 Corinthians 12. As a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many are one, that you all form one big garden planted by the Lord. You think about, about the church of Christ, you also think about the world, I would say uh, the world in general. You, you see, flowers all planted by God, all with the image of God, di- differing in height, in quality, in color, in smell. And in fact, if we have more you look at each of these features, each of, each of these characteristics, and, and you, are, you are going to marvel uh, in height, in color, in smell, in beauty. Some even better than others, meaning that, uh, yeah, we say God is fair and he's, He is equal, but some are even better than others. Sister B, did you want to say something? I saw your microphone. Okay, good.
0: Yes, I, I just wanted to add also that uh, it also shows how we define the gifts.
1: In the gifts as well. The yeah.
0: Lord gives to everyone and that um, we ought not to quarrel or envy one another. Mm-hmm. We are all beautiful in our own sphere. We sphere. all have a purpose. Mm-hmm. We all have a calling, and um, all should just complement one another
1: exactly exactly thank you very much and and i love the what you mentioned that we are all beautiful because that's it that that should be the start point that the the interpreter is referring to all of them as flowers all of them as flowers planted by god so and you know god does all things well he does all things well when he created he said the lord looked at all he has made he said they are all good they are all good god does all things well i mean you look at some eight and you see the celebration of man and uh, man man the, man is the crown jewel of god's creation and All that the Lord has made uh, is beautiful. We are all flowers, but then we differ in height, in quality. If you look at it from the viewpoint of our gifts, look at our gifts. Our gifts differ in height. Maybe somebody has the gift of, um, what gift? Of of praying. You find that uh, another person has the same gift, but uh, that gift is of of a greater measure, so you find that even those who have the same gift, you have that that the gift is not uh, in the same in the same measure. We differ in height, in quality, in color, in smell, in beauty. Some are actually better than others, and that's it. You will find that going the way you will always find people who are better than you. And uh, you look, especially for somebody who has the eye of seeing good in other people. You find people who are better than you, and. You also find that they are planted in different places. Some people are planted close to the gate, close to the gate. Some people are planted close to the pathway, so much so that the people who are walking through the garden, they cannot but see them. You know, they cannot but see them. Some people are planted far into the gardens that people don't really go there. People don't go to the far end of the garden, No, Even visitors who come, they go around, but they don't go to that far end. They just look at them from afar and say, oh, Right there, what do you have over there? Oh, lovely greens. Oh, good, good, good. But they don't go near them. Yet, these flowers never quarrel with with each other. Oh, for grace to be content. Oh, for grace to be content. Oh, for grace to learn that Jesus do it.
0: <laughs>
1: Somebody has a, a, a mic uh, inadvertently. Unmuted, And uh, so we find that that's, what, that's the way it goes, that the person who has learned to accept his lot in life is the person who will be most thankful to God. Uh, some people, when they hear this kind of teaching, they say, look, that's the kind of teaching that does not encourage people to, uh, to strive for more, uh, to, to break ceilings, you know that the proverbial glass ceilings, to reach out for more, uh, to, to break out of their shell, to go and many people attack the Christian church and say that oh, if it was left to Christians, and many of the inventions in this world would not have been invented. Some people would have said, Oh, uh, why are you trying to go into this into the space? Why don't you just remain where God has created you? Why are you trying to have transportation by air? Why don't you just stay uh, where God has created you? This is what we call in logic uh, reductio ad absurdum, where you say you are reducing things to the level of absurdity. That is not what is being taught here. We're not being taught uh, not to strive for more. Indeed, uh, the command that the Lord gave to us when He created us was to do what to to dominate the heart, to dominate the heart, to conquer, to dominate, and. To have, domin- to have dominion over the world, so that's what the Lord wants us to do—to have dominion over the world because we are, we are the crown jewel of creation. I wanted to mention that so that when we hear uh, some people in the popular culture making points like that, we can counter it. That. That's not what—that's not the, t- the teaching here. Is is. Not to covet. That's not to covet. So it ties to, to that commandment. It says, "Thou shall not covet." That shall not. You don't know, covet whatever belongs to your neighbor. That is the that is the long and short hair. Oh, that person uh, is is richer. Don't covet it. But thank God, uh, if that re- if the riches come from God, just thank God that He has chosen to show His greatness in the life of that person. That person is more beautiful. Hey, just thank God. If that person is living a godly life, thank God and say, Lord, oh, you are great, making this brother, this sister uh, so beautiful. That person is taller or is shorter or that person has been put in a vantage position. Everybody sees her. Everybody sees him because of the talent she has. She's always there in front. Maybe she's a singer or uh, this person is a preacher. He's always in front. Everybody sees him. Well, don't quarrel. Or you say, oh, where the Lord has placed, nobody actually sees me. The Lord sees you, and hey, He said, "I've engraved you on the palm of my hand." And then the second parable here uh, of the failed crop, and that's one that we have we have reflected on over and over here. That uh, the the interpreter said the ground was dunked and plowed and sowed, but. There's no 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 crop to harvest, no crop to harvest, and that's the warning from our Lord when He said uh, that now the axe is at the uh, at the root of every tree that is not bearing fruit. It shall be cut down. The Lord expects that when He comes into His field, that there are crops to harvest. Are we bearing fruit? Are we bearing fruit? the interpreter said, fruit. You see, is that thing you look for? Fruit is the thing you look for. Fruit is the is the thing that the Lord looks for. Are we bearing fruit? For lack of it, you condemn the crop to fire, to be trodden underfoot by men. Beware that this is not, beware that this, sorry, beware that in this you are not condemning yourselves. Uh, and and that's what we should be saying to ourselves. As we look at this field, uh, where the ground was dunked and plowed and sowed, yet uh, the top has been cut off, no crop to harvest. Let us beware that this is not talking About us. Now, this next parable is an interesting one. Let's let's try to get to it on page eleven. The robin's mouth. Do you know what the robin is? The robin is a beautiful bird. If you can Google a robin, the bird, you see how beautiful it actually is. The robin. If you can do a Google search. But now let's find uh, what is it about the robin, this bird, in this next parable uh, on page eleven. Okay, Tutu. Let's go on.
2: The robin's mouth. Yes. Then, as they were coming in from their trip, they saw a little robin with a large spider in its mouth. Interpreter, look here. So they looked, and Mercy wondered. Christiana, what a story shape that such a pretty little bird like the robin, like the robin red breast, and a bird above many that love to maintain a kind of sociability with men. I thought they lived on crumbs of bread or on some other harmless matter. I like him worse than I did.
0: Mm.
2: Interpreter. This robin is an emblem, very like some who profess the faith. For by sight, they are like this robin, pretty of note, color and courage. They seem also to have a very great love for those who are sincere and above all others, they seek them out to associate with them and be in their company as if they could live on a good man's crumbs. They pretend also to frequent the house of the godly and the appointments of the Lord. But when they are by themselves, like the robins, they cut and gobble of spiders. They can change their diet, drink iniquity, and swallow down sin like water. So when they come into the house again, because supper was not yet ready, Christiana again wanted the interpreter to either show or tell some other things that are profitable.
1: Okay.
2: particular.
1: Okay, okay. let's just hold on a bit before we go to those other things. Uh, And this is quite an insightful thing about the robin. I did not know before now uh, that uh, these birds uh, behave in a particular way when they are by themselves. This is what happened in this parable. Uh, They saw a robin. Uh, If you find your time to Google a robin, see it's a beautiful bird. And here it is described as a robin red breast because you find that the the underlay, the the breast of the robin, It's always colorful, sometimes red, sometimes uh, orange-like in color, but always beautiful, always colorful. It's a lovely bird. But what the pilgrim saw on the robin's mouth made Christina say, if you read the last uh, sentence of Christina's statement, said, I like him worse than I did. Meaning that, oh, seeing the robin now, I don't really like him as I did before now. And that paints the picture of. So, what did they see on the robin that made them not like the robin uh, any longer, or not like the robin as much as they did before? Then, what did they they found uh, the robin with a large spider on its mouth? The spider is not what some. It's not something you want to have on your mouth. I mean, do you do you think of anybody? Uh, Do you think of anybody in full control of his faculty and senses who would want to gobble up a spider? Spiders are actually venomous. They're actually poisonous. So it's not something that uh, a reasonable person would want to put in his mouth. Uh, not even a bird like Robin. No, it's just, oh, such a beautiful bird, such a uh, innocent-looking bird, such a dainty, lively, beautiful bird. What's that bird doing? Uh, trying to eat up a large spider. It's not even just a spider. It's a large spider in its mouth. So uh, the pre got to see that Robin and they said, "Hmm, I don't. Ah, I used to like the. I thought robins were beautiful birds. I'm sorry, I don't like robins anymore. Gobbling up spiders." And the interpreter said, well, this robin is an emblem, meaning a symbol. Some people profess faith. By sight, they are so pretty, colorful. They carry themselves very well. They have a great love for people. They are sincere. They look sincere. In fact, maybe they are even sincere. They have a great love for people. They seek out to associate with good people. You find them in good company. They could live on good men's crumbs, meaning that, yes, they do an honest work, they pretend also to frequent the house of the godly. They keep the Lord's appointment, but when they are by themselves, like the robin, they catch and gobble up spiders. They can change their diet and drink iniquity and swallow down and swallow down sin like water. And that's the that's the point here uh, for you and for me. Yeah, this is a lesson. Remember again, what is happening in the eyes of the Interpreter is that the Holy Spirit is preparing the pilgrims for a lifetime of fellowship with God, a lifetime of communion with God. And he's saying to them, now, learn of the robin. The robin who, when nobody's around, gobbles up spiders. Would you think that that robin that you see flying in the garden, flying in the air, making those beautiful sounds and looking all beautiful, would you have thought that the robin would feast on 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 spiders, on spiders, and may that not uh, be what will be said about me or about you. May it never be said of me that, oh, would you suppose that, oh, Brafemi would be doing things like this, would be gobbling off sin, would be swallowing down sin like water. May it not be said about you. Uh, That's that's the point the interpreter is making there, that the Holy Spirit is making to all of us, all pilgrims here. In your lifetime of fellowship with God, don't be like the robin who. In the presence of others would appear so innocent, would do the right thing, say the right things, but in secret, in secret would gobble down sin like water, like water. I think the lesson is very clear. The admonition is clear. May God give us the grace to be the persons that we profess to be. And if anybody is struggling with any harmful habit, any sin, may God help you and grant you grace to overcome a surge in the name of Jesus. I mean what is clear, what all pilgrims will testify to is that anybody who goes to God in all sincerity say, Lord, help me to overcome this fault. You know what the means will so cleanse me from secret from, from secret sins. Cleanse me from these things. The Lord will help. And sometimes it's a surgery, sometimes it's a surgery, and the Lord will we carry that surgery. It will be painful, but say it will be it will be for 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 the pilgrim's good, for the pilgrim's uh, sanctification and edification. Now, let's pay attention again. If you if you remember, the reason why the interpreter had time to do all these things was because, when, after they welcomed them, because supper was not ready. It was because supper was not ready, and I hope to get back to that point just before we close tonight. Because supper was not ready, the interpreter took them around and showed them these things and shared these par- parables. Now, on page 12, just after the, uh, the parable about the robin, we are there again. See, so when they, when they come into the house again, because supper was not yet ready, so again, what was it about this supper not being ready? Again, so Christina said, "Well, sir, supper is not yet ready. Please show us or tell us other things that are profitable." Okay, so so, so let's read on. Just to go ahead. Okay. Interpreter. The
2: fatter the soul, the more she desires the more. The fatter the ox, the more reluctantly he goes to the slaughter. And the more healthy the lustful man is, the more prone he is to do evil. There is a desire in women to go neat and tidy, and it is a good thing to be so adorned, which in God's sight is very expensive. Mm -hmm. It's easier watching for a night or two than to sit up a whole year. So it's easier for one to begin to profess Sorry, to profess well than to hold out, as he should, to the end. Every shipmaster, when in a storm, will willingly throw overboard what is of least value in the vessel, but who will throw the best out first. None but he who does not fear God. One leak will sink a ship, and one thing will destroy a sinner. He who forgets his friend is ungrateful to him. But he who forgets his Savior is unmerciful to himself. He who lives in sin and lives for happiness later is like one who sows cockle and thinks to fill his barn with wheat or barley. So, if a man would live well, let him set up his last, and make it always is co- and make it. Sorry, I think I'm missing a line.
1: Okay, try again.
2: Okay. Yeah, let me go back to He will forget his friend, mm. he will forget his friend is ungrateful to him, but he will forget, <sighs>
1: but he will forget his savior is merciful to him.
2: He who forgets his Savior is unmerciful to himself. He who lives in sin and looks for happiness later is like one who sows cockle and thinks to fill his barn with wheat or barley. If a man would live well, let him take off his last day and make it always his company keeper. Whispering and change of thought proves that sin is in the world. If the world... Which God says lightly by is counted a thing of worthless men. What is heaven that God commands? Mm. If the life that comes with so many troubles is so lost to be let go by us, what of the life above? Everybody will try up the goodness of men, but who is there as he, sure. as he should, be affected by the goodness of God? We seldom sit down to a meal, but we eat and live. So there is in Jesus Christ more merit and righteousness than the whole world has made us. Mm.
1: Thank you very much, Then The whole world has need of. And you see, uh, this is like reading the the book of Proverbs, where you find that uh, in, in a single sentence, a point has been made, and the next sentence, another point is being made, and on and on, and on like that. But it is, it, it, it is profitable to... To look at some of them, he said one leak we sink a ship, and one sin we destroy a sinner. That's that, that's something that he, each of us should write down. One sin we destroy a sinner, meaning that uh, and and it's good to always emphasize this as we emphasized earlier on that by faith a sinner cannot be placed in God's palace and receive forgiveness and receive audience. In the same way, uh, sin that is not confessed, that is not repented of, uh, can indeed be, 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 be destructive. He will forget his friend, he's ungrateful. But he will forget his Savior. He's unmerciful to himself. Unmerciful to himself. Yeah, you may forget your friend. Yeah, that's being ungrateful because he's your friend. You did not help him. But if you forget your friend Jesus Christ, you're being unmerciful to yourself. He will lives in sin and look for happiness later is like one who is deceiving himself. So we have a number of parables here and I do pray that each of us will find time to go through this again and look at each of, I mean not proverbs rather, a number of proverbs here in this statement of the interpreter this statement given uh, because the uh, the supper was not was not ready and then he says there, we said do sit down to a meal but we eat and live. You see? I mean, you find a, no matter how some shares the meal or the feast, we sit down to it, but immediately after eating, we stand up and we leave. Just so there is in Jesus Christ more merit and righteousness than the old world has need of. It is the same way that in Jesus Christ, you just don't uh, you don't stand up and leave. You want to stay there. You keep eating and feasting at the table, and it is pleasure that can never cloy. You never get uh, there's never uh, a feeling of sofe when you are when you are with the Lord. Okay, the tree with the rotten inside.
2: The tree with the rotten inside. When the interpreter had done, he took them out into his garden again and led them to see his inside was all rotten and gone, and yet it grew and had lived. Mercy. What is the meaning of this? Interpreter. This Whose outside is fair, and whose inside is rotten, is that with which many may be compared that are in the garden of God? Who with their mouth speak highly of God, but indeed will do nothing for him. Mm. Their leaves are fair, but their heart is good for nothing but to be tender in the devil's tinder box. Mm. Now, supper was ready the table spread and all things made ready so they sat down and ate after someone had given things and the interpreter usually entertained those that lost with him his music at made so the main skills played there was also a singer he had a very fine voice his song went like this the lord is only my support And he that does me see. How can I then want anything whereof I stand in need? When the song and music came to an end, the interpreter asked Christiana what it was that at first moved her just to take her into a pilgrim's life. Christiana, first, the loss of my husband came to mind, at which I was deeply grieved. But all that was only natural affection. Then after that, the troubles and pilgrimage of my husband came to mind. And also how, like an idiot, I had behaved towards him. So guilt took hold of my mind and would have drowned me in the pond. But fortunately, I had a dream of the well-being of my husband. And a letter was sent to me by the king of that country, where my husband lives, inviting me to come to him. The dream and the letter together so preyed on my mind that they forced me this way. Interpreter, but did you not meet with any opposition before you set out of doors? Yes, a neighbor of mine, Mrs. Timorus. It was related to him that wanted to persuade my husband to go back for fear of the lions. He also fooled me, as he called it, to forget my intended desperate adventure. He also asked what he could to dishearten me from it. The hardships and troubles that my husband did met with on the way, but all this I got over pretty well. But a dream that I had of two ill looking ones that I thought were plotting how to make me miscarry in my journey, they troubled me much. Yes, it still runs in my mind and makes me afraid of everyone I meet, lest they should meet me to do me a mischief and to turn me out of my way. Yes, I may tell you, my Lord, though I would not have everybody know of it, that between this and the day by which he got into the way, we were both so badly assaulted that we were forced to cry out, murder, and the two that made this assault on us were like the two that I saw in my dream. Mr. Peter, the beginning is good. Your latter end shall greatly increase. Then he addressed himself to mercy and asked her, And what moved you to come here, Peter? Then Mercy blushed and trembled and for a while remained silent. Interpreter. Don't be afraid. Only believe and speak your mind. Mercy. Truly, sir, my lack of experience is what makes me stay silent. And this also fills me with fear of coming short at last. I cannot tell of visions and dreams like my friend Christiana Nor do I know what it is to mourn for my refusing the counsel of those that were good relatives. Interpreter, What was it then, dear heart, that prevailed with you to do as you have done? Mercy. Why? When our friend here was packing, was packing up to be gone from our town, I and another went accidentally to see her. So we knocked at the door and went in. When we were inside and seeing what she was doing, we asked why she was doing it. Because she was sent for to go to her husband. And then she often told us how she had seen him in a dream. Dwelling in a strange place among immortals. Wearing a crown. playing on a harp eating and drinking at his prince's table, and singing praises to him for bringing him there. Now I thought, while she was telling these things to us, my heart burned within me, and I said in my heart, if this is true, I will leave my father and my mother and the land of my death, and will, if I may, go along with Christiana. So I asked her father of the truth of these things. I need to let me go with her. For I saw now that there was no dwelling that was not in danger of ruin in our town. Yet I came away with a heavy heart. Not that I was unwilling to go away, but that so many of my relatives were left behind. And I have come with all the desire of my heart and will go if I may. Is Christiana to her husband and his in Interpreter. Your setting out is good, for you have given credit to the truth. You are like Ruth, who, for the love she had for Naomi and to the Lord her God, left father and mother and the land of her birth to come out and go with the people she knew nothing about. The Lord recompense thy work. And a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou hast come to trust. Luke chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Now, supper being ended, preparation was made for bed. The women were lying singly alone, and the boys by themselves. Now, when Matthew was in bed, she could not sleep for joy, for now, adults of meeting at last, were removed further from her than ever they were before so she laid blessing and praising god who had come favor to her
1: okay go ahead so you are more beautiful than i am
2: okay you are more beautiful than i am in the morning they arose with the sun and prepared themselves for their departure but the interpreter wanted them to stay longer Mr. for you must go from here in an orderly fashion. Then he said to the damsel that first opened the door to them, Take them and have them go into the garden for a bath, and there wash them and make them clean from the dirt they have gathered by traveling. Then innocent the damsel took them and led them into the garden and brought them to the bathhouse. So she told them to wash and be clean, for so her master would have the women do, that called at his house, as they were going on pilgrimage. Then they went in and washed, yes, they and the boys, and all, and they came out of that bath, not only sweet and clean, but also much enlivened and strengthened in their joints. So when they came in, they looked. Sarah a deal more than when they went out to the wash. When they returned from the bathhouse in the garden, the interpreter took them and looked at them and declared to them, Fair as the moon. Then he called for the seal, with which they used to be sealed who were washed in his bath. So the seal was brought, and he set his mark on them, that they might be known in the places where they were yet to visit. Now the seal was the content and form of the Passover, which the children of Israel ate, when they came out of the land of Egypt. And the mark was hung between their eyes. This seal greatly added to their beauty, for it was an ornament to their faces. It added to their gravity and made their faces more like those of angels. Then said the interpreter again to the damsel that waited upon these women Go into the vestry and fetch out garments for those people. So she went and fetched out white clothing and set it down before him. So he commanded them to put it on, for it was fine linen, white and clean. When the women were thus clothed, they seemed to be a terror to each other, for they could not. See that glory each one had in yourself, which they could see in each other. Now and then they began to esteem each other better than themselves. Mm-hmm. For you are fairer than I am, said Same. the one, and you are more beautiful than I am, said the other. Mm. The children also stood at me to see what a great thing had been brought about.
1: Thank you very much. Amazing. I'm I'm just going to make a couple of of few points, important points, and then we close. I see, and I love the notes on which this chapter is ending. Uh, The the pilgrims have got to a place where each one is now saying to the other, Hmm, you are fairer than I am. And and why was that? Because they were washed, uh, they were fed, uh, they were perfumed, they were adorned, and then they were clothed in white clothing. So much so that the glory of God rested on each one of them. And look at what the author said here. He said, They seemed to be a terror to each other, for they could not see that glory each one had in herself which they could see in each other. So this is what happened. They, after, in that of the interpreter, the Holy Spirit had uh, written on them, and each one, each, each one of them was given this ornament and this white clothing. But you know what? Uh, each person could not see in herself the type of glory that she could see in the other person. Uh, do you understand that? So, and this is what happens among believers. And we have that exhortation over and over uh, in the scriptures, especially from the writings of Paul, where he says to us, do not esteem yourself uh, more than others. Esteem others above yourself. Be devoted to one another in love. Be completely humble and gentle. So much so that, you see, in in the Christian fold, we look at other people and we see the glory of God in them. And we are not so conceit as to say, "Oh, the glory is in me as well. Uh, the glory, in me, the glory in me is equal to yours, or the glory in me is higher than yours." The, you find that the Christian attitude is to see the glory in other people and to marvel and to marvel. And I do not know whether you experience that from time to time, where you're in the community of believers, you look at another sister and say what gift this sister has, amazing, the glory of God. What gift that brother has, amazing, the glory of God. And you continue, you find that you are esteeming others in sincerity above yourself, above yourself. You are fairer than I am. And that's nothing wrong in saying that, oh, this brother is fairer than I am. This sister is fairer than I. Am. Fairer in the sense of oh, more gifted. Oh, the glory of God is in you. Amazing glory to God. It is not that you belittle yourself. It's not that you you put yourself down. Uh, but we are called. We are called to esteem others highly. We are called to focus on the good things in other people. In fact, the Christian person has an eye for seeing the glory of God in other believers. If you don't see the glory of God in other believers, and you see it only in yourself, uh, you are not yet living as God expects his people to live. This is what happened to them. He said they seem to be a terror to each other. Each, Each one looked at the other and said, wow. What glory, and the other person said, You too. What can, can you see the glory in you? I said, No, it is the glory is on you. No, the glory is on you. No, the glory is on you, and that's the beauty of the Christian fellowship that we can see the glory of God in other people. We're not denying the glory that God has put on us as well, but we are not esteeming ourselves highly uh, than others, we are not higher than others, we are not. Uh, we are not in a competition. In fact, we are seeing all that. We are seeing the glory of God in other people. But the, the Lord will open our eyes to see His glory on His other children. And when we see that glory, we give glory to God the Father. And may people also see the glory of God in us and on us as well. And the final point I want to make is this matter of the supper not being ready, not being ready. And every occasion when the supper was not ready, it gave opportunity for the interpreter. To share even more profitable things. In this case, let's let, let's take the supper as something that we are waiting on the Lord for. When things are not ready, it's always an occasion for God to teach us some things, to teach us some profitable things. James 1.4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Whenever supper is not ready, and supper here, figurative for anything we are waiting on God for, whenever it is not ready, it's always an occasion. The Lord is working something out, an occasion to teach us something, to make us go through an experience that will be beneficial, that will be beneficial to us, and I pray that... The Lord will grant us the grace to be patient and to stay with Him uh, in the full assurance that the Lord is working His purpose out. And the time will come when the earth and our own lives will be filled with the glory of God, as the waters cover the sea. Thank you very much. It's been a long night, right? We are seven minutes past our our, our end time, and I thank you all for your patience. I hope this has been as profitable. For you, as it has been for me, and uh, we always give glory to God. Thank you all. If you have anything anything occurring to you, always send a text uh, on WhatsApp to us, or just let us know in any way. It's always a pleasure to have you around, and I thank God for the opportunity we've had tonight. Thank you, Tutu, for reading a long read tonight, so well done to you. Thank you, Sister Sekas. Thank you, Sister Bumiya Deshino and Sister Fumbi here in the virtual city. Sister MC was here, but she had to leave. Many people took excuse as well. Unfortunately so, but we have a recording of this, so many people can still listen to it afterwards. And to the, all the people at GospelBestRadio.com, we're always glad to see the numbers there. I hope this has been as profitable for you as it has been for us as well. Uh, May I ask anyone led of the Spirit of God to to say the closing prayer. Please just unmute your microphone and say the closing prayer. Commit our week into God's hand and pray that God will grant us grace to come together again next week. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for honoring us with your presence this evening mm. and teaching us more. Thank you, Lord. Father, what we may not yet understand, we pray that you keep giving us more insights. Amen. As the day goes
1: by. Amen.
0: We pray, you Lord, that we will not just be hearers but doers. Amen. We will learn what we have. We will use what we have learned here, that we should stand in our own office Amen. and not envy any other person, Amen. whatever gift you have given, Amen. but that we will use them all even to edify the body of Christ. Amen. And also that um, um, we will not be found in any form of iniquity, Amen. privately or publicly,
1: Amen. in the
0: mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we know that it's not for of him that we let, neither of him that run it before but for you, God, that showeth mercy. Oh, yes. We plead yes. the precious Lord of Jesus and indeed ask for mercy Amen. concerning every issue of our lives that you help us indeed. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen. that Amen. we'll be humble, we'll not have any form of pride Amen. or envy in our hearts. You grant us the grace to have clean and pure hearts that always wishes good for others, Amen. even as we wish for ourselves. And Father, we commit this week into your hands. We ask that you preserve our lives, Amen. that none of us die, but Amen. that um, you grant us the grace of uh, averting any form of disaster, any form of calamity. Amen. That you not permit the enemy an inroad in any form. Amen. That he, he aims to take. In the mighty name of Jesus, we not enter into any form of snare. We not enter into form of. We not have any form of trouble Amen. or issues. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we pray that your grace will be more than sufficient for us. you make all provisions sufficient for us. Amen. Father, we are going to sleep. We ask that you grant us the grace of a good night's rest. Amen. We will not have unpleasant dreams. Amen. We will not be attacked in our dreams. You'll we'll protect us. Your angels will be on guard. you we'll grant us a delightful night's rest. And we'll wake up refreshed, healed of any form of ailment that we might have. Amen. To your praise, honor and glory. In Jesus' name we
1: pray. Amen. 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 Thank you also very much. God bless you. Have a pleasant night and a great week. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you very much. Amen.
0: Thank you. Thank God.